I'm not into podcasts. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. What a hit! Back of the net. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Not A Punda podcast. I'm Not A Punda Killing Ginnity and I'm delighted to be joined by Not A Punda Connor Glennon. How are we going boys? And of course, journalist and author Robbie Redmond. Hey lads, how's things? Well, it could be better, I'll admit. Um, it was kind of dire showing at the weekend, uh, Rob. What did you make of... Um, um, possibly Stephen Kenny's last hurrah. I think at this point now it's about putting the guy out of his, out of his misery. Really, like it's like a mercy kill. Like when I saw him being interviewed by Tony O'Donoghue after the match, like he just looked like a, a broken man. I don't think I've ever seen a manager as disappointed. So, from on a human level, I, I think the best thing is to just call this quits. Don't put him back out in front of the media in a month's time. Um, on a football level. It hasn't worked. There's no question. No one can stand here and give you a logical argument in favour of Stephen Kenny remaining as Republic of Ireland manager, regardless of how underwhelming or how poor the team is. There's just no reason that he has given to stick with him because he, he promised that this would be the campaign when we'd see the best of these players, we'd see them kick on, and it just hasn't happened. And for lots of reasons, but the big one, was really like his in-game management. And we saw that against um, Netherlands. Not so much against France. We, we don't even count that one. Like they were hammered. It was like in um, Space Jam where the aliens are playing against like the cartoon characters. There's no comparison there. They're playing different sports. But against Netherlands, he did well for the first 20 minutes. So the team did well. He went ahead. Netherlands scored because Ireland lost the ball in the middle of the pitch, which shouldn't happen, but it does happen. But then at halftime... Um, Ronald Koeman, the Dutch manager, switches formation to play like four four two, and Kenny didn't switch his formation, and he wasn't really he wasn't thinking quick enough on his feet. And this has happened in matches before, and it was just like a culmination of things: his in-game management, just the lack of quality players at his disposal, and then just that we just we're just easy to beat. Ireland are easy to beat, and we're not going to get any better under this guy. Maybe in time. Um, his legacy, if you want to call it that, will be kind to him because he blooded a lot of players. He, he's a decent guy. He he believed in the best of the players, even though there wasn't a lot of evidence sometimes to back up what he was saying. But the manager, of this, as the manager of this team, it needs to kind of come to an end. There has to be a higher quality coach out there. And it, unfortunately, it's not Stephen. So I wouldn't say it was grim or anything like that. It was kind of not surprised, really. Even when, even when Ireland scored earlier, like, the Dutch are probably going to score here. And then if they score one, they're going to score again. So it was just kind of a natural conclusion, a natural way to end what has been three and a half years of just squabbling and this man trying to make things better. But ultimately, with the best will in the world, it's not going to happen. I think you're right. Like I, The interview, just going back to that after the game, it's, 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 it's one of those ones that, look, I've been a proponent of trying to get rid of Kenny for a good long while now. But... That was, I know the, the RTE guys said it was uncomfortable, but it, it, I felt sorry for him. You know, he's a, he seems like a nice bloke, and it's one of those on a personal level, you're like, Jesus Christ, can you imagine having been thrown in front of the world's media expecting that? I, I think you're right, Rob. It's, you know, the French game, I didn't think we stood a chance regardless. We we were lucky to get away with conceding that little. 
we were getting absolutely pasted around the park. And look, I mean, nothing against Kenny couldn't do anything about that. Like, regardless, we could have Pep Guardiola and it would have been the same thing. But the 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 Holland one, I do feel that I I must put an apology out to to Stephen Kenny. I. Uh, I think you you guys will remember I dropped an old text in the in the in the not a pundit WhatsApp group and uh, when Weghurst came on and I was like ooh I'm so scared I bet he'll score now and he <laughs> did so Stephen I'm apo- I'm apologising in a public forum that I've put you out of a job my friend Killian what what was your vibe on the on the the two games I suppose um like one of the things I kind of it it, it kind of put a little bit of um. And Ant in my picnic going into the Dutch game was Coleman's comments. Like, so we all saw the inferior one, but like, I don't know if other people kind of picked up on the comment he made about Stephen Kenny, which was talking about the classic games in the 80s and 90s between Ireland and Holland. He was like, but at that time, Ireland were really strong. They had good strikers and they had a, a coach that was famous, Jack Charlton. That has changed, of course. And I was like, if an international manager is coming out and making that sort of backhanded comment that like proper straight up bitchy comment in the media they're not afraid of us like we've gone from being whatever about Martin O'Neill's tenure we uh, as a whole but like we were a difficult team to break down we were like we were an ugly team to play they won't, won't no people didn't want to play people didn't want to come up against us put it that yeah. way or watch us or watch us games. <laughs> no one wanted to watch that but we could sneak in the odd result. And I think that's the difference here is that like we're not sneaking in them results anymore. Like we're not getting that scrappy, horrendous 1-0 win over Germany. That's just I think that comes from the anymore. top though, because I, I I think it's guys like Koeman, you, I'm, you may not love us with the way he plays football, but like he's a straight up killer of a person. Like he is an absolute assassin. While like guys like Stephen Kenny, if you're like, it's... It's like prison rules. You like two men in a fight. Who are you picking? I am picking Kenny. You know, and I think that comes across in the dressing room. Like, I I don't like to use the argument, kind of going, oh well, he played at the top, so he knows how to play top football. But it oh yeah, no, that aside, be, just just his vibe, you know. Yeah, but it does kind of seem to be. I don't know if it's from the players' end of it that they just don't buy into him as much. But like Rob, I think we we had said this off air the other day, and um, that like. Anything Stephen Kenny had done well at Dundalk, he abandoned as soon as he got into the Ireland job. Yeah, um, like if you look, remember back to his Dundalk teams and even before that, this guy had a, a habit, like a really great knack of building a great team spirit and making teams better. So he did the same with Derry, he did the same at Longford Town when he was like 30. Like he's been successful at the levels he's managed that, but he never played a back three and he, he never was this kind of like cargo cult Irish Pep Guardiola that he seems to he seemed to fit into that role. You hear people maybe you hear people talking about how Ireland have to play quote good football or progressive football and he, he bought into that element of it too much, I think, because like it, it's not that the teams before him didn't play good or bad football. He just didn't really play any football because they weren't really coached like beforehand. Like the stories of Aidy McGeady playing for Ireland and saying to the coach, like when Martin O'Neill was the manager, like, what position am I playing in here? Like, I, I actually don't know. Like, so it was just a very much grow there, lads, and work hard. It was never any. So you can't really say that was good or bad football. It was just a load of lads was getting stuck in, basically. But with, with, with Kenny, he tried to bring this type of approach and he'd always kind of over talk 
the tactical approach. But yeah, the in-game stuff, his in-game management was, was has kind of been, been even exposed. And I would have been always one of those people who were like, sure, some of these players have played professional football. What do they know? And a lot of them do know stuff, but maybe some of them are just, they don't really know. Like, I think you've seen with this, there are levels to it. So Ronald Koeman may not be a brilliant manager, but he also has somehow managed Barcelona. He's managed Valencia. He's managed um, Everton. He's managed Southampton. Like he's, he's been around, ex- like yeah. yeah, he's been around. He's been exposed to a higher level of um, opponents than Stephen Kenny would have ever have been. I know he had Europa League campaigns, but Gus Poyet is another one, the Greece manager. And in both matches, Stephen Kenny was outwitted by them. And it doesn't take much. It didn't seem to take much. It was just a, a switch of formation. It was just targeting where because we're kind of easy to play with. I think I said this before, Kieran. It's like when you play football manager and you download a tactic and you couldn't be arsed making another tactic yourself. So you stick to that tactic. Like Stephen Kenny was going into matches against Greece the same way he was going into matches against the Netherlands or Armenia or maybe not so much France, but it just seems you have a one one size fits all approach with that three, four, one, two, or three, five. Which today you just can't do, you know. Yeah, you, just like, can't, you, you need to adapt, like. Yeah, that's it. And, and like international football is not about good football. Like it's, it never has it's been. winning games. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I've never, I don't rarely do you watch international football and go, "That was a really entertaining, high quality match." Like that's what the Champions League is for. International football is about. Yeah, you have to coach the players and be clever with it, but you also have to just be compact and find a way to win. And Ireland just used to always just under Kenny just found ways to lose all the time and. I said this stat these a few times, like the, the average ranking of the teams they've beaten is 121. And like, that's just not good enough. You can't, there's no way you can sit there and say, yeah, get this man and keep, let's keep this guy around for another two years. And you can talk all day about the problems in Irish football and they're there for everyone to see. They've been there for years. The association ran into the ground. Like, but that's a completely different debate. I'm just talking about whether in the match, is he going to pick the right team? Is he going to pick the right tactics? And is he going to make the most of what he has there? Like, he hasn't, unfortunately. And it's unfortunately as well. It looks like it's because he hasn't been exposed to top-level management the way these other coaches have. And and football is like a sport that no other sport has the levels in it that football has. And the jump from Stephen Kenny being under-21 manager to senior management is like, as someone told us, like going from being a tree, under, a tree to a scratch golfer. Like it look, might look small, but it's absolutely massive, and that's what we've seen with with Stephen, unfortunately. So for his own sake, I just like to see them just politely usher him out the door. And that's that's that you were saying about the 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 kind of hundred and twenty ninth. Like if if someone said that to you in a pub quiz, going, "Oh, what team is it?" You'd think it yeah. was like Saint Lucia or like yeah. Angola. You know, like you don't you don't City. think it's yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, you don't think it's bloody Ireland like I'm not saying we're Brazil by any means but Christ yeah Yeah, this is one of the things is that uh, like our level of player isn't what we're used to like we are coming to a stage where as a country we need to realise this we don't have the four great generations that we had in a row like can you imagine any other Ireland setup where James McLean gets 103 caps like (laughs) this is the first time a player of that level can reach no that comment. level of caps. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's not just him. Like when Alan Brown is your most progressive bloody midfielder, like that's not a good sign. When when fucking Jeff Hendrick is 
can't get a sniff at Newcastle and is just no. constantly being yeah. like sent out on random loans. But he is still included in squads despite not having a decent game since 2016. Like, I feel bad for Kenny that he kind of got yeah. he got at such a wrong time. He got the, the bad end of one and not yet the good team of the next. Like he he's going to be. I th- I think in years to come he might be seen a little bit more favorably. Um, kind of going oh well, it was pre Ferguson hitting the heights and it was post. I'm almost glad it's pre Ferguson though because I I that guy does not need Stephen Kenny in his life. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, like I, I know it sounds terrible. Like from a youth perspective, he would have been fantastic for him. There's no debating what um, Kenny did at an under twenty one level. Fantastic manager, but Evan Ferguson needs guidance. Like he's coming from Deserby to Stephen Kenny. Like that's that's just chalk and cheese you know if we're gonna if we're gonna anchor our team around this guy we need at least for a three four year period a manager that will be stable and be able to elevate him to that point any manager that gives doherty the number 10 shirt needs to be kept at like a a, a five mile radius away from evan ferguson just stay it should away be in the hague <laughs> Should be yeah. absolutely up for charges in the Hague. I, I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "That looks like Matt Doherty," and I was like, "That, that, that is Matt Doherty." Matt Doherty with a mullet. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's for another day. But, <laughs> but like, like just as a as a quick aside, like we have seen some terrible shirts down the years. Like I don't think it's the most egregious, but. Like, it's not like there was a lack of forward players in that squad. Like, when we were starting with, like, a number 17 and, like, a, like a 14 and all, it's like, somebody got to take the actual number 10 shirt, make it a striker, make it an attacking midfielder or somebody. Can you imagine seeing match. Evan Ferguson? Can you see, imagine seeing Evan Ferguson on that pitch, not with number 10 and it's Matt Doherty? Mm. Like, what is it? What Like, if you bring your son or your nephew or your niece or whoever to a game and they go, oh, there's Evan Ferguson. You're like, no, no, that's that's Matt Doherty. Uh, <laughs> like, that's a war crime. That has yeah. to be considered a war crime against the people of Ireland. 100%. Ireland are famous for this. I remember one match, though, um, Shane Duffy at number 7. Like I think of seven, I think of Cantona or yeah, I don't think Shane Duffy, <laughs> Richard Dunn at five at one point. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't that's, mind that. That made sense. That, 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 that's, I'm okay with that. But like, it's like Steve Sidwell having number nine, like yeah. Shane Duffy number seven. Like that just doesn't make sense. Or Gallas um, number ten. Gallas yeah, number like, ten. Like the only thing is, if you're gonna do that, you need to be a complete shit house. And there's no better man to take a number ten as a defender than William Gallas. Yeah. Um, one that stood out for me massively was was Samuel Eto'o at five. That's the, almost the reverse. It's just like mother of God. That yeah. I don't I don't know what it is with African strikers though. He's not the first or last. Like Asamoah Jan used to wear number three. Like do you remember the 2010 yeah, World Cup? He wore number three. That was a yeah. great team, by the way. So good. Luis Suarez aside. I'm there was one that I... Uh, uh, oh, go ahead there. No, I was saying I'm not into all these stupid bloody... I sound like an elflet, but these squad numbers, like, it's too kind of American sportsy, like, because, like, the numbers are meant to mean something. Like, number two is the right back, number three is the left back, number ten is the the creative midfielder or the striker, number nine, and so forth. But you can't just be picking number 52, like Bentner. Just because you like the number, like it means nothing. Like it's not about that, you; it's about your position. 
That wasn't because he liked the number. Apparently, that was because that was his wages. Fifty-two <laughs> k a week. Fifty-two k because he he had been he had gone on loan to Birmingham and Sunderland and had done reasonably well, and he wanted to recreate himself and have a new st- a new fresh start at Arsenal, having been number twenty-six. I don't so know what's worse, to... him wearing 52 or getting 52 grand a week. I don't like that is that's that's also <laughs> yeah. a war crime. One I saw that was on that ver- kind of on that vibe was do you remember Lizzie Razou? Um when mm. he was at Bayern Munich for a stretch, he wore 69 and the rationale <laughs> behind wearing 69 is not what you might think. Um he was both 69 kg and 1.69 meters tall. That is a man that found out them facts after getting yeah. the number. He was, <laughs> his missus was like, what have you done? Oh, I'm just going to yeah. go to the toilet to come up with an excuse. Oh, I'm, I'm not 69 kilos. Yeah. The, the other one that I, I, I kind of liked as well was um, Buffon at one stage wore 88 and he says it's because it looks like four balls resting on each other. <laughs> which, I, I mean, I never thought I'd utter those words, but that is what the big man said. Nothing to do with neo-Nazi connections or anything. Nothing like at all. No. Well, one thing I, I have to say though about kid, big numbers. Kid in Samarano was one plus eight because Ronaldo took number nine. <laughs> so that's that's very one. good. That is a good one. I kind of like the shithousery of that. That's yeah. a bit like, okay, I've got you there. The one that Killian alerted me to a, a while ago was uh, Edgar Davids wearing number one at Barnet. Now, that's just brutal and apparently that was um i can't remember what podcast i listened to it on some rival one that you should never listen to anyway um (laughs) this is the only football podcast around but um it was it was with one of the senior players at barnet at that time and um they all didn't buy into him like they didn't particularly like him it was kind of like oh it's cool that he's here but like what the hell? And then when he gave himself the number one jersey, apparently the goalkeeper went mad and just basically said, right, I'm checked out. Bear in mind, this is at the same time when Davids refused to go on away games and had gotten himself three red cards in the first, like, nine games of a season. Like Woodgate eat was... your heart out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, one, one that I do think, though, where, like, I think numbers that are a bit rogue can be fine is, like, Bruno at Newcastle rocking the number 39 because yeah. that's his dad's taxi number. Mm. That's cool. I like that. Or like Trent at Liverpool at 66. It's his first number. Cool. Fine with that. But, you know, there is, it's, it doesn't have to be strictly one through 11. Like, I, I will say my favorite kind of way that numbers have been ran the Premier League ever were, was there was one year United played City when they did the Busby Babes kits on both sides and there was no names and it was one through 11. That was just. Mm amazing like if we could go back to that like obviously from a marketing point of view and a commercial point of view it's it's an impossibility but as a purist that was just sensational but there is a more extreme version of that being how argentina used to do all their world cup ones which i had to had to actually look up just to double check they did it for the 78 world cup the 86 world cup and sort of excuse me for the 90 world cup which was alphabetical oh god so that like could, their goalkeeper like, oh one year was number five, and I think he might have been num- like number nine or number ten the next for the next one. And um, the only time that they switched it up was in ninety when like Maradona got to have ten, and like they, it only made it for special players. Like, but other than that, like yeah, no matter your position, you could have been a striker with number one. You could have been a goalkeeper. That's the most South 10. American thing I think I've ever heard in my life. That is just 
sensational. Sure. Actually, Rob, you might remember him because you have a stupid brain like I do. Uh, Jorge Campos, the goalkeeper oh, yeah. that used to score all the goals. He used to be number nine. Yeah. I actually see well, if you're scoring against... goals, you yeah, know, if you're scoring goals, it's allowed. So I actually we... seen him play against Ireland for Mexico on a friendly when I was a kid. No and way. He, yeah, he was tiny, like the smallest <laughs> goalkeeper I've ever seen. And he had this real <laughs> garish jersey. It was absolutely terrible. Yeah, this is donkey's years ago. Like, That's class, though. Age. Yeah. Who was the Ireland manager then? Mick, Mick McCarthy. Um, I'm not that old. I was in Jack Charlie. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, <laughs> it was late 90s, sometime late 90s. Duff and Keegan were only young, but I remember watching them and I was like, you are, even though he's only a kid, and I was like, I'm probably the same height as him. Like, he was around five foot six or five foot seven, maybe even smaller, probably. Jesus, but, that's yeah, mad. Yeah, he wore number nine. And funny you record met- here. He's 34 goals in his career. He's nowhere going to Rodrigo Sene for Sao Paulo. 100, 100 goals. Yeah. Or Chilever. Remember him for Paraguay? He, he got a hat-trick in one game, didn't he? <laughs> I know he was the only goalkeeper to get a hat-trick. Yeah, I, it was three penalties, but I think I'm almost certain. Yeah. That's why. Um, but Rob, it's funny that you mentioned Robbie Keane and Duff because they're actually both been linked with potentially replacing Stephen Kenny. Yeah, not by me. I don't know about you, Rob. I don't know about you, Rob. <laughs> but like, uh, everyone's choking around Lee Carsley as the main name, and yeah. I'd love to see it. But like, I, I don't know where I heard it today. It was it was one of the radio stations were talking about that. Like, his twenty ones team could beat Ireland. So, what is the point in him leaving? You know, like I, I don't know if you think it's oh, the yeah. most legitimate, or do you think he'd even entertain it? He definitely entertain it just because apparently it, it is and has been an ambition of his and he okay. does he is like I think he's second generation Irish so he does he feels Irish it's not a Declan Rice situation but also he's obviously an intelligent man and a highly regarded coach and does he want this four senior job to be this or should he kind of hang around and wait for Selke to leave next year I think he can get that though if he, if I he stays I think they might I think he might. I don't think they'll go for someone. He's won a champ. He's won the Euros, so straight away, he's going to be in that conversation. Southgate was promoted from the 21s, and he never won a, a trophy. So, on that mark, he's actually coached at Man City too. Like he, mm-hmm. he is highly regarded. But I, what what I age think, group at City did he have? Was the 18s or something? I think yeah, it was some of the underage youth uh, youth teams. So he, he is highly regarded. He was at Brentford too, mm-hmm. Um he may have been at Birmingham, so he's he's been around and he's done the hard yards and coaching. If I was him, I don't I don't know. Like I'd have to take a big offer, and like he is probably twelve months away from being at least in the reckoning for the England job, and that is obviously one of the biggest jobs in world football. Like he could be coaching Harry Kane and Bellingham and Rice and Grealish, so that could be a lot to give up to coach Will Keane and Adam Eda. So no disrespect <laughs> to them. Like, let's be honest, like, but the other one is, do we want this guy? Because, like, is there anything, to, it's another Stephen Kenny thing in a way. Like, he, he's coached that underage level. There's lots of great coaches who struggled to be a manager, like Michael Beale, the Rangers manager. He, from what I heard, he was, like, best coach ever. You know, some of the stuff that people are saying about him, like that Stephen Jarrett was saying. He was Stephen Jarrett's assistant at Rangers and at Villa. And people were saying, this this guy is the brains of the operation. Jared was saying, it take me 10 years to be as good a coach as this fella. 
That's and a then, big statement, like. Yeah. You know. And now he's struggling. Like, he could be sacked by Rangers. Like, they're knocked out, hammered in the Champions League, hammered by Celtic, and that could be it. So, the next step, as you said, is the big one. So, I, I don't know. If I was the FAI, would I be taking a risk on him? But also, from his point of view, I don't know if I'd be taking a risk on the FAI. So, Kill, Kill, what are you saying? What are you saying on, on Carsley? I think it's going to come down to money. Because, like, the big thing for Ireland is we can't even afford to sack Kenny. So I think Carsey is within our price range if you can convince him. Because he's not going to be on big boss wages. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near the England job. I think he's going to be discussed. But if you look at the reasons why Southgate got the England job, England was in a very, very different place. It was post-Hodgson. He was only an interim coach who did well and got the job. He was pure Ollie. And And played for England, crucially. And had managed in the Premier League. Like, this is the other thing about it. So, like, he had a... Not it's a great... Un- successfully managed in the Premier League. <laughs> but more importantly, he also spent time at the head of the FA. He was on the big boys table there. And I think So, so he greased that... the old palms to... to yeah. Well, well, I don't know. What I... is the... Apparently, the FA, the reports are that they're going to reject any approach from the FAI firm. So... Oh, 100%. Like, it, like, it, it'll be... be, it'll be It'll be all on the uh, Carsley side where, like, if he wants to make the move. Like, England can get another under-21s coach. Did it want to? No. Because I think the way they see it very much now is they'll only switch it by generation. So as so as for as long as there's a 19-year-old in that squad, they'll want to keep him and the coach together until it's 21. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Carsley... Uh, the deal that England do with Carsey is say Eddie Howe uh, uh, is the assistant manager to Jason Tindall for the England job um, <laughs> that uh, Carsley is brought in as part of the coaching staff as part of the continuity I could see that happening a lot more uh, realistically than I could see um, Carsey getting the top job um, Connor. but one of the only things I would love to see about Carsey coming in is maybe he might bring some of the, uh, the second gen or third gen I- Irish English over it'd, to us. it'd be nice to to finally do the dirty on on, on the old <laughs> enemy, I suppose. But I, I mean, you'd, I mean, the ones that scream to mind straight away is Delap's kid. Um, I know he's kind of in the twenty ones and he's he's doing great. He'd he'd be a, a tasty one for us. Mm. But I mean, at the same time, as petty as I am, and as much as I'd love to see that, I, I kind of would just love to bring in a manager that can cultivate what's there and 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 what's coming up for me. You know, these kids are young guys, 21 years old. I know you can say, oh, you know, they can change their mind. They've made their decision. That's the progression point they want. I think leave them in that system and bring someone in that will cultivate ours. I mean, if we think about it, guys, like outside Carsley says off the table, in my head, the names and that I've seen in the press as well, I suppose, is you've got... Keen, which we can delve into in a minute. You've got Rafa, which I'd absolutely adore, but that's what my black and white Newcastle lens is on. <laughs> um, I suppose you've got uh, your man at Ipswich, McKenna, and, and outside of that, you're kind of restricted to, to actually the... I for, forgive, I forget his name. Uh, he's on the coaching ticket. He was on Kenny's coaching ticket already. Um, and John well Yeah, Barry. and he... Yeah, I think they're the names, and I, I'd be interested to see your guys' take on who you'd pick out of that. I think Rafa's unachievable at the best of times, especially since he's taken the Celta Vigo job. Um, Kino, I don't think... I think he'd want it, but 
he's pretty cushy in Sky, and I think he'd only do it if he could keep the Sky gig. And I don't know enough about uh, McKenna. What, what what would your opinion be, guys? I actually, I probably shouldn't jump straight to the end, but Rafa Benitez would be brilliant. Someone like that, someone who has coached at a high level, who commands respect, who has can deal with the media, like not like Stephen would. He's he's. It's not that he's not a good communicator. I say this as I'm stuttering here. He is a good <laughs> communicator, but he's just too open. I just don't think. Like I remember first time I went to chat to Mick McCarthy, and he stands up and he shakes your hand, and he, like it just he has that presence that I just don't think that Stephen kind of ever really had. Martin O'Neill was very prickly and real, just like dour, but he still had that aura of like, well, he's won European Cups as a player, and. This stuff does matter, and Rafa would have that. Like he's a Champions League winner. The guy was Real Madrid manager, Liverpool manager. Great job at Newcastle. Someone like that would be ideal because, yeah, he's an older manager as well. He's mid sixties. He's probably past his best, but doesn't mean he wouldn't be good enough for us. And he makes players better. And he's tactically astute. He won't be caught out, and there won't be any nonsense talk of we're going to play great football because this is going to be about winning. But he's unattainable. Thing if someone like Kieran McKenna, who's probably too early in his journey, like he's 37, he's in his first job in management, he kind of just want to let and Ipswich get. and Ipswich have put so much money behind him. I don't yeah. know why he'd do it, you know. Yeah, let him just let him be, like, let him figure let him himself. Cook. Let him cook, <laughs> as they say. Um, Roy Keane is one that people laugh at, and I found myself convincing myself a little bit more with this. It's Keane is not um, the kind of dinosaur that people think he is. It's just that he doesn't speak about the game in a modern way, the way Kira McKenna might, or Brendan Rodgers, or any of these newer, younger coaches. But Keane would definitely need an elite-level assistant manager who can kind of put the framework on the team, and Keane is kind of like the figurehead. So I wouldn't I wouldn't really... I'd, I'd want to hear what Roy would bring to the table. What's your package going to be? like? So... I wouldn't rule it out just by given the status the guy has. And then after that, it would be nearly a case of like, can we headhunt someone? Can we go out? Like, because I remember when Staunton was sacked and it was like, who are we going to get in here? And it was like Brian Robson and all these guys linked to the job. Gary Megson probably or something like that. Any type of middle-aged British manager that was floating around at the time. And he went off and the FBI got um, I think Ray Houghton and two other guys to recruit someone. And like three months later, they come back with Trapatoni. You're like, Trapatoni, like one of the most successful managers ever. And people like laugh at him, but the guy did a really good job as oil manager. So, like, crucially, like, though, maybe that's FAI the answer. weren't paying for him. Crucially, that's the though. key point, Killian, as you said. And that would be the Rafa situation. So, unless they're going to go cap and hand out to some benefactor who's going to back them, which they won't because you can't even get a sponsor. So, <laughs> yeah, fair. like. Let's be honest. So it might have to be someone like a football manager, Kelly, and kind of like you're going to type in attributes. What do you want? Like tactical, like good at dealing with the media, um, patient because it's going to be tough. <laughs> like this is what we might need. But just the bright example for anyone who's despairing, thinking there's no one who's going to manage this team. We're never going to get to another tournament. Like no one in the world. Like actually, Deserby was such a mad show for Brighton that. Graham Sunes accused them of Googling Brighton and kind of doing a cheat sheet. And people obviously thought it was lunacy, but at the same time, it was that much of a left field appointment that he could come out with that nonsense. So there is someone out there. There's someone out there for everyone, Killian. Now, one thing 
that would be very football manager, but it shouldn't be discounted because we've seen it in the, uh, I think it was the championship, but maybe the Premier League when they were last there, is do we look at trying to get a club manager that's willing to do an international job at the same time? Go back to like John Giles. (laughs) He would have the ego to do it. Like the last time we saw it in in the kind of upper echelons of English football was um, Leonard Slutsky at Hull and Russia. He was a very kind of well-regarded Russian uh, coach. Gus Hinnink as well. Hitting did it with multiple teams actually, um, often on in- interim basis. But I'm just kind of looking here at the odds, um, online. Carsley eleven to four. Neil Lennon eleven to two is disgustingly no. low. No shot. No, not happening. Uh, Chris Hutton seven to one, doing a decent no. job at Ghana, but no. Yeah. Uh, Roy Keane ten to one, but I believe if I remember listening to an interview, an old interview recently again, that he said he doesn't. He's not sure if the international games for him that it's more that he likes to be on the on the ground with them as a manager. But he, in, I, like, I, th- I think I think I saw that interview as well, and that's what mm. kind of made me go. He mightn't do it, but I think Rob, you made a point before that like it allows him to watch any game he wants, any day of the week, and still be a, 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 in management. So he can still be a pundit, be a technical advisor if he wants. He can still just learn the game, watch the game, and be a part of the game. I, it, it, it makes sense on paper. I just don't know. Mm. The FAI mm. is an old boys club, and I can't see them admitting defeat to the point where they hire him as, as manager. I think a system was as far as they were going to go. Why would he want to be around the players? He hates the players. Like. He <laughs> yeah, hates fair. footballers. He absolutely detests them with all his strength. Like, How many players has he praised over the last few years? Billy Gilmore has won. All obviously Man City, and that's about it. Like I think he praised Mason Mount before. He he, he was even given Declan Royce stick on telly. Like <laughs> so, three days or sorry, ten days of these players is perfect for him. He has two days of being okay around him. Two days of absolutely hating him. Like and then <laughs> he'll just get his coach to manage him, and then he can just do the press. And he's great. He's the best communicator out there, probably. Um, I, I think if football. I. I think if Ireland are going to be Ireland, it's going to be someone that we do not expect. Like, like Killian, who's like say tenth on that list? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna rattle through the list. You give me. Yeah. Quick fire reactions. Because it's gonna. It, it's gonna be someone we don't want or expect. The next one has been halved. Their odds have been halved in the last day. For, so there were twenty two to one. Now they're eleven to one. Is Steve Bruce? No, absolutely no, not. No. Sorry, kid. <laughs> no. I, I, he's a nice man, but no. <laughs> also on 11 to 1 is Sam Allardyce. No. 12 I'm to 1. I'm not completely John no to Big Sam. I kind of like really? Big Sam. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying no, but I wouldn't I hate what, it. I think money-wise, it's a no. Um, oh, yeah. 12, 12 to 1, John O'Shea. 14 to 1, Damien Duff. What's the Duffer, point? I don't think, is ready. No, he's yeah. not ready. But I don't count him out down the road. 20 to 1, Robbie Keane, Keith Keith Andrews, and Willie Sanyol. Willie Sanyol? Currently Georgia manager, I believe. Oh. Yeah, no, he's been been Bordeaux manager. He was, I think, maybe Bayern Munich 2 or under 21's coach when he started out. That's the kind of one I bet you we end up with. I think like so. He, he's been Georgia yeah. managers, I think, for three or four years now. So, like, he's a right. It it's someone like, definitely someone like that. I agree with you, Connor. And another thing is to keep in mind who is actually making this decision. So, it used to be Big John, Big John Delaney. God knows what was behind his decision making. 
I can speak freely now. You probably won't sue me. Oh, you might have to cut that out, <laughs> Killian. I'm joking. Um, the other one, like, at the moment, is the guy, the two that are running it out are both English. So it's Jonathan Hill, who used to work in the FA in England, and Mark Carnham, Car- I probably pronounced that wrong, yeah. but he is the director of football. So they're both English, and Mark Carnham, sorry, and that might change the... Active it, I suppose. Yeah, like they're they're gonna probably have connections in the FA. I think that's why Carsley appeals to them as their first choice, because he's a bit like them under the radar, um, skilled in British football, and just maybe that connection is a bit easier to make. It it won't be big Mick McCarthy again anyway. Let's put it that way. It might be someone that kind of under the radar, maybe a Willie Sanyal, but a, someone like probably Carsley. I can see why he's their first choice. Big Mick is twenty five to one. <laughs> I think Big Mick could be interim. If they get rid of Kenny and they're still on the hunt, they need someone to steady the ship. I could see it, him doing those games up until March. But, like, you I know, aside from him that, doing them, how, how Kenny got in. If that happens. say he's sick. It, you know, yeah. Like, he's like, this fucking nonsense. Sorry, the arrangement that happened there. Like, he, when he was managed the second time, Ireland drew away. We lost, like, to Switzerland. We drew with them at home. Like,. Kenny wasn't getting these results and this is me who was crying out for Kenny at the time so maybe we shouldn't discount the old dinosaurs maybe we were too <laughs> quick to kind of maybe after a thousand games of management he's learned something I don't know speaking of dinosaurs though 25 to 1 Tony Pulis no <laughs> uh, I as much as I appreciate the impeccable skill of Stoke on a Tuesday night um, I don't think that's that's a viable one. Is, is this what we think of ourselves as a nation? Being like, this is all we can get. Washed up, long ball dinosaur managers who I just said, let's not rule them out from 2012 and 2013 when you're at their peak. Is that it? Like, is this, we are failed as a nation if that's all we can think of. But also, we probably can see the logic behind it. Like, who else actually is there? So Big it, Sam, I'd love, I'd love the experience, but like, let's be real. If we got Big Sam, he's not here in three years. But that's that's one question I do want to ask you guys. Say we even got Lee Carsley, what kind of contract lens do you give him? Campaign two years, sorry, a Nations League because that is so important to Ireland that I don't think maybe Kenny did realize, but I don't know if fans realize it. And a qualification campaign that would be for me. Kenny. I I would do the same, but I'd have an inbuilt option to activate because I reckon if he was to do a good job, that he could be snapped up. Yeah, so you'd have a kind of a if you qualify, you run us through. If the you next, hit this, it yeah. automatically yeah, renews, yeah, yeah. so that before his stock rises, you kind of already have an inbuilt. To, to do that though, to do that though, you'd need serious money because if you're potentially locking someone in on a two-year contract that turns into four. Like you, what you can do, and I've seen uh, clubs do it anyway for like promotion, like like a promotion clause. It's like, yeah, we'll activate this, but you go up twenty five percent. Okay, like yeah. If this is act- yeah, yeah, and yeah. you kind of do it that way, because if we were to qualify, well, then suddenly that's more money for the FAI, and you could justify giving the extra twenty five percent then, and then you take it on the gin if you have to kind of get rid of them after that. There's just yeah. two names left on the list, and I think they're the two most interesting ones. One we mentioned already, 22 to 1, Anthony Barry, but the one that I would love, love, and I think he's a, about the right age, 22 to 1, Ralph Hasenhutl. I Ooh. wouldn't be opposed to that. I think it'd be class. Like, it's... right profile. He's used to playing decent football with young players. 
he did a better job at Southampton than, than people give him credit him. for. It. Yeah, because yeah, like look at the mess that they went to instantly after him. Like yeah. I know they had the the second coming of Jesus Nathan Jones, but like still. <laughs> <laughs> what are you What are you saying, Rob? A trauma in the mix, definitely. Like he, he's another kind of. He's like a cl- not. I need to call him the cl- clock of the Alps or some stupid nickname. <laughs> <laughs> so absolute nonsense nickname because he likes pressing. Essentially, he's a high pressing um, coach. He, I don't think he was too fond of, of Femi. Apparently, he clashed a bit over Femi at Southampton. One of our better players, I suppose. But yeah, he would be at the profile. I suppose you're looking at Killian. Definitely, like um, operate at the top level of the game, out of work, so there's no chance of you know to pay any compensation. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be against that. The one I would have loved is too late now with Bielsa. Like that's one. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be signing up. Jesus, for that would have been ticket. yeah. Imagine yeah. Marcelo Bielsa on a green bucket, just <laughs> getting Jeff Hendrick to be pinging balls all around the pitch. That would have been if you can make it Calvin Phillips into a sixty million pound player for Man City. God knows what you do to our lads. So that's that's a, the dream died when he went to Uruguay. Well. We can only live in hope and dream. We know that there is a uh, a presser coming up with both Jonathan Hill and uh, the director of football, so it'll be interesting to see what comments they make. Um, it can't be any more going... uncomfortable than Kenny's interview, so I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, well, the rumor going around is that they've said that they don't want a zombie manager for the next round. So, and i.e., we need to sell tickets for this. It's a double header, so mm. I think you have to buy tickets for. Our- Greece in October and New Zealand in November. Like that's that's a yeah, that's not great. So now. how do you get fifty thousand people or forty thousand people plus into the stadium? Not that they've completely torn on Kenny, but just give the punters throw them a bit of raw meat, and that's what it feels like. So yeah, I think he's not long for us. I don't think. Kenny. But one manager that is kind of facing a criticism that we did mention earlier is Southgate, um, Connor for uh, his decision to stand by both Harry Maguire and Jordan Henderson. Yeah, it's... it's uh, Look, it's a weird one, and uh, I, I don't want to be the Maguire basher. Uh, he's got enough people bashing him around the place. Look, it's we all know he shouldn't be in that team. Um, I understand Southgate's mentality of playing the players he knows and the environment around a team. That's why I understand the Henderson one. I that I will stand behind. He's a vice captain. He, he yes, he may be in Saudi, but I think he's been Liverpool captain. He's lived in the Champions League. You know, I think that's that's fine. But the the Maguire piece, it's it's just it's getting unfair at this point it's it's just like put put him out to pasture like let him focus on his club football try rescue his career and we'll see you down the road pal but like if you're sitting on that bench uh in a friendly uh against scotland and you're not getting played uh you're just going do i have a single hope in hell of even getting on this pitch ever under so good you know i don't know about you guys yeah, like he brought him on. I knocked on the second half and I had it on the background. They brought him on, and you're like, oh god, like this is like something Ireland would do. Like give someone a few minutes because they're not playing at club level. So just give him a few, give him a half, like to get a bit of football into his legs because he probably won't play. You know, he have a couple of injuries. He might be in a Carabao Cup or something. But I actually just felt sorry for him. I just thought this is not, this isn't wrong. This is wrong. Like he didn't go through his whole life to be a laughing stock. Like this. This what I mean. Like on a personal level, it's yeah. it's 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 fucking bleak you know yeah and like he isn't elite level he was at fault we were actually showing it on 
Virgin Media, Damien Delaney was showing how he's at fault. He, he drops off. That's just his natural way to drop off. So at a certain point, you like to say, okay, yeah, he's been loyal to you, but oh, you've been loyal to him, and Maguire has never really let him down. He's performed better for England than he did ever did for Man United. But especially in tournaments, the, to be fair, yeah, yeah. Like, but the team has moved on so much now. Like they had, like for example, in the 2018 World Cup squad, they had Phil Jones in the squad. That's the depth of talent that England had then. Now, like, look at that team. Like, it's, it's quality everywhere, every single position. Like, and you don't, do you really need him? Or Henderson? Like, Henderson, I, I never found Henderson, never thought he was a great player. It's interesting now to watch people kind of turn on him. Um, I just wouldn't have either of them, and particularly not Maguire, because it just becomes a distraction. And, and, a, and then the other way, you're like, fair play to you, say, okay, for kind of defending him. But See, also, that's the other thing. It's like, I kind of respect you it, you know? Yeah, you're like, I respect you for defending him, but I'm questioning your management by playing him. So, yeah, and Maguire had the chance to go, you know, yeah. Obviously, he didn't want to give up that money that he wanted from United, which is he's perfectly entitled to do, but this ultimately has caused situations like this. So, it just, Maguire's become a distraction. And I do feel sorry for on a human level, because... Man United just never, ever, ever should have paid that money for him. And then on top of that, never should have made him captain. And now he just has a big target on his back and he's a, he's a meme, effectively. But so one, one, of the memes I, one of the memes I did see is his last two goals are against Sevilla and Scotland. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's, it's one of those, I think, like, like I said, I don't know about you, Kill, but bring in on this in a sec, but it's just give the dude a break, you know. I think... His inclusion says more about Southgate than it does him. I think it shows Southgate as a man out of ideas. That he was blessed at the timing that he went in. That England's stock was so low. He got a little bit of positivity around. Had a, a decent and obvious group of players to bring through at the time. And he's brought in a few of the younger ones as well now. But it's always been built around that Euro squad. Like, no matter how bad the players have gotten, he's stuck by them, rightly or wrongly. And I think it's proving now, wrongly. Like, they're getting results off the back of the skill of the likes of a Bellingham or, like, it's how good these other players are are what's balancing out how bad the decisions are by Southgate. He and I think Stephen Kenny, sorry, Killian. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think he, he this is, like, he's going to be his other... Obviously, they're going to qualify, so he'll get to the tournament. But I think after that, he's done. Well, like if with with the caliber of players they have, a final is a minimum. You know, semi final, semi. I'll give him a semi. Yes, semi final. But I mean, I. You know, obviously, it's the players on the pitch at the end of the day. But if he doesn't win something with that team, there is the mark of failure there. You know, especially when you see around Europe how badly underperforming most of the other teams are. Like, yeah. Belgium have never been able to get it together. Germany are... In free fall. Gone. Yeah. Italy don't... Like, the Man- Mancini's gone, so, like, I haven't really got to see what the new coach is like. Spalletti so that's, that's, is a genius-level coach, and he, he won the Serie A with Napoli, so they need to be improved, but in talent-wise in their squad, like, it's England every day of the week. Like they're, 100%. France are their only real rivals yeah. there in Europe, you know. And... And they have like a civil servant managing them, um, <laughs> and that's what breaks, like it's a Stephen Kenny thing. Not to call Stephen Kenny a civil servant, but his in-game manager, like Southgate's an intelligent guy without any question, and he does speak well, and he is likable. 
but his in-game management I've always found to be just really bad because he gets exposed in certain matches like the maybe it's not so much the match last year against France but the the, the Euro 2020 final in 2021 they're winning 1-0 at home and they lost it to Italy like how can you lose that match like or the, the two years before three years before that in the 2018 World Cup semi-finals they're beating Croatia who are out on their feet they played like extra time two matches in a row and they found a way to lose it it's so yeah they have a, an elite level squad but they do not have an elite level kind of tactician or in-game manager the next thing I watch it and watch it say okay he's always chatting to your man Steve Holland he's the manager mm. um, coach at Chelsea I think he's like kind of the brains of it really but like a lot of the talk stuff. around the team is that like he's brought that team like we've all heard the he used to be a Chelsea table, a United table, Liverpool table. They're all a cohesive unit. And yeah, like you can see they're all genuine pals now. You see it when they play each other at club level. But like that doesn't keep you in a job. Like you've fair play to you've cultivated a, a, a group, but that group you've you've broken through that barrier. Someone else can take it from there. You know, you can't that can't be it's definitely a legacy you'll have, but that can't keep you in a job going going for another two, three, four tournaments. I think it no, says a lot when you one. think of if he was to go that like you don't consider him going to any club. Like he's never linked to any club job. Like he has the bang of taking an FA FA job. Oh he'll yeah. He just be, goes straight head of the Premier League or something. Yeah. It'll be it'll be some borderline politician job. Like yeah. some administration job, civil service job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like but he'd be on a, be on a committee, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a committee man. Yeah, I'd yeah, say yeah. he loves yeah. a committee, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think we should move away from the kind of like the dregs of football that is and kind of look ahead to the Premier League, Rob. Um, is there any of the games that you're kind of looking forward to? Because I know that me, Premier League being back means fantasy is back. So yeah. I haven't actually had a chance What to games should we look- be looking at? We should be well. The one I'm looking for, looking forward to is wrong. The one I'm going to 100% definitely watch is Man United v Brighton, and yeah, it'll be more misery for me because I think Brighton will absolutely. Well, maybe you won't, but if Big Evan Ferguson's back. They might run a mock against United for fantasy. The ones I'll be looking at is like Liverpool away to Wolves. Definitely, like you're looking at maybe Salah, maybe bringing Salah in there if you can, because um, he he is actually in good form, or even Jota. And then Tottenham at home to Sheffield United. So Tottenham have like Madison. He didn't really get to play for England over the break. Madison's absolutely flying. So that'd be another one I'd be targeting. One I'd be avoiding is Everton v Arsenal on Sunday. So at Goodison Park, I, I get the exact record now in a minute, but I think Arsenal have lost there for the last like couple of years. So I think Everton could do them again, basically. Well, it's, 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 they're in so much trouble as well, Everton, that like they what's that saying there's nothing more dangerous than a team's or a man's got nothing to lose like that's Everton right now like yeah so in the last they've won one two three four Arsenal last beat them away from home in 2020 sorry this is not very good podcasting (laughs) but there's a stat here at the end of it it's like 2018 basically Wow. That's yeah. a long stretch. That's a really long stretch. Like, I mean, the one for me, uh, just as a as a Newcastle fan, I'm curious as to the team we'll put out against Brentford. Um, That's going to with... be a really exciting tie, like, tactically. Like, 
Thomas Frank is always entertaining, but like Eddie Howe was putting together a good side. I hate to say. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I also think you know, do we have one eye on Milan on on Tuesday? As a Newcastle fan, I never thought I'd ever say that again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I I think Newcastle Brentford will be a great game. I think the only for me as well. I think you're right with United versus Brighton. That will be very good. Uh, I also think the uh, West Ham versus City game could be very good. Um, um, I'd be interested, Rob. What are you saying there? Do we think Haaland's got three goals in him, or is it a is that a one nil win? Get lucky to get out of there. I don't know. I, I, I that'd be one of wary of captaining him in because West Ham are just like they're at peak Moisey at the moment. Like they're grinding out results with like two percent possession, and they're gonna have a lot. Like they might have lads who like I don't think Kurt Zuma, for example, was on international duty, so. Jared Bowen wasn't, Mike Mikel Antonio wasn't, so they'll be fresh and ready to go. So that would be one I'd be giving a, a stare to. So it kind of is testing your metal, really, because the default option is always just Captain Haaland. But if there was a week not to and you're brave, you might be rewarded by avoiding that one. Watch, you'll score five goals now. So you're telling me Captain is going to be Ferguson this week. You're, go, you're going all oh. the chips in, full all in. <laughs> Um, I'd say if you had him, you'd be going for Salah. Um, definitely. Okay. And for that Arsenal one, that stat that I, I basically made a mess of, it's twenty <laughs> October 2017. Six years since Arsenal Jesus. won at Goodison Park. So they've lost one, two, three, four of the last five. So I don't know. I wouldn't be. I'd be avoiding that one too. I think I might, have to, I might have to take a trip down the bookies on that one. <laughs> I'm looking forward to just uh, not for fantasy, but just for for watching um the games down at the bottom end of the table um like good good relegation dogfights in Forest and Burnley and Bournemouth and Chelsea like I think it's going to be an interesting <laughs> relegation fight there. <laughs> yeah, Forest and Burnley like it's it, it'll be interesting to see uh, will Burnley adjust their football they seem to be playing the same style all season I don't think company's going to relent on that I think he's going to ride it until it works or he gets sacked um but I Ireland vibes off that I think yeah big time football I'm like that's nice you're lost five now (laughs) yeah yeah that's the thing it's like I think Brian Kerr was saying you know you can have all the possession you want if your two center backs are passing to each other but you know it's it's winning games that matter but the only thing I'd say in company's defense, though, is all he needs is results against the smaller teams. And they've had not a great run so far this season. Like, they've been given a, a couple of really big games. Whereas I think if they can get a solid result against Forest, get results against the likes of Everton, Bournemouth, Fulham, if they can get decent results, then you can start to... If they're not getting them there, then you can start to criticize them. But yeah, like, if you can play good football and survive in your first season up, that's yeah. that's a major coup for the for the, for Burnley. Yeah, another one I target last one would be Fulham Luton. So I'd get like probably if you need him, Fulham's goalkeeper. I think Luton will be the team to target in fantasy this season. There's always one team every year that you're like, all right, they're playing away from home. It's you might get six points for a clean sheet there because I think they'll struggle. So that might be another one if you have a couple of transfers, but it wouldn't be like a priority or anything like that. I love that you think I have a couple of transfers left. I know that's the way to do it, but I, I, I love that you think I have them. Well, gents, aside from the football as we're coming to the end, is there anything you're looking forward to or going to keep an eye on this weekend? 
Well, I tell I tell you, I've been waiting weeks for it at this point. Welcome to Wrexham season two. Um, is at the time of recording just out today. Um, and I cannot wait to get uh, all into that. It it I think it's been one of the best stories in football as a kind of football purist for a very long time. So I'll I'll, I'll definitely be getting into that. I think a second one. Um little bit more uh, concentration needed is the all or nothing uh, Germany in Qatar uh, I will Ooh. warn you boys that it's uh, completely in German so you'll need those subtitles on uh, unless your German skills are a bit better than mine um, and you'll, you'll get a world you'll get a window into Hansi Flick's old world um, but they're, they're definitely two for me Rob? I am still halfway through Wrexham welcome to Wrexham season one I used to be great at watching all these shows but I just <laughs> uh, somewhere along the line like another one that was recommended was like Where Eagles Dare this Crystal Palace documentary on Amazon Prime very good it's, it's brilliant but yeah. I, just, I, I haven't watched it since June so I have to go back on that um, I'm just looking forward to actually just getting not feeling miserable watching football like when Man United lose I'm like <laughs> oh yeah whatever they won the treble when I was a kid that's all that matters that'll do now I'm yeah. like, well watching Ireland is just ugh can't like another another tournament gone so just actually watching football football is passed to each other that would be nice for a change that's really harsh actually sorry <laughs> i'm just hoping for a little bit of sun or nine sun just a little bit of dry weather so we can get stuff done around the house and i've a podcast that i'm re-listening to which is american scandal on um waco which Great i highly, highly recommend highly recommend but gentlemen episode one we've made it Thank you very much for for joining me on on this on this evening, and thanks very much to our listeners. I've been Killian Ginnity, not a pundit. Uh, thank you very much, not a pundit, Connor Glennon. Thanks a million, boys. Great as always. And thank you very much, journalist and author, providing the credibility, Robbie Redmond. Thanks. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, Killian. Thank you. Subscribe, like, leave us a review if you wouldn't mind, and we'll chat to you next week. Chat soon. I'm not into podcasts. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. What a hit! Back of the net.